Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I'm, I'm going to be sharing with you today about the one true and great Father, and I hope that you will listen and allow God to speak to you. Let's pray together. God, thank you for being our Father. Thank you for each person who has set aside to come to this holy place today as we gather in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you'd speak to us by your Spirit. God, I pray that you would comfort the brokenhearted, that you would save the lost, recover the backslider. God, increase our faith and teach us what you would have us to know from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in case you slipped in and didn't hear it yet, I want you to hear it. Happy Father's Day. Uh, let me let me start this morning, and and I, I thank God so much for the men. I, I don't know if we ever do this. We always do this for women, but I just want everybody to see the way that God has blessed our church. Because here is what a lot of people think, and a lot I hear people say it all the time: Church is just for little old women and small children. Anybody think a man ever said that? Anybody a man that ever said that? Okay, y'all don't want to be honest. Uh, y'all don't hang out at the barber shop long enough. If, if, if you listen to men talk, that's, that's a prevailing thought process uh, in the earth today. The churches are just filled with women and children. And the reason why is because more women come to church than men. Now, here, here's, here's a little plug for womanhood. That just shows they're smarter. All right? That just shows they're more humble. That just shows that they're not ignorant and think they can do everything on their own. Okay? So there's truth to that. Churches typically have, if you look at the ministry of Jesus, his entire ministry was financed by women. The, 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 there, were, there was one man at the cross that followed him, and there were several women at the cross that followed him. So this is not just the pattern of 2020 church. This is the pattern of, pattern of Christian ministry. And they say women and small children because the statistics prove that by the time kids turn 18, if they haven't developed a real relationship with Christ, once they get out of high school and move out of the home, no matter how often they were in church, they, they, they stop going to church. I was one of those. Anybody else? You used to go to church and you got out? Um, so that's how we end up with that. But I thank God for uh, what he's doing in our church uh, I've, I've always said this, and we're getting older now. I haven't said this in a few years. We're getting older. But I've always said that God has blessed abundant life with real men, strong, capable men, godly men. I always said we might not outnumber every church in the city, but I, I, bet, we, I bet we could out tug of war any church in the city man by man. Uh, and we're getting older now, but I think we still do what we have to do. We don't do this often, but just to show God, the heavenly host, all the saints that have gone on before us, the devil and everybody watching, I just want all the men in the room. Uh, from, from two years old, if you're, if, if you're male, two years old and older, I just want all, all the men and young men to stand up right now. And I want you to see how God has blessed Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. Amen? Look at that. Look at that. That's all side to side, front to back. God bless you. You can be seated. And I want to tell you something. God sees you. He said he's not unfaithful to forget your labor of love, but he sees everything that you do. And when men come to church, God sees it. When women come to church, God sees it. The, the number one problem, I believe, outside of spirituality, because I love what I heard a man say the other day on TV. That's the guy I told you they cut him off. Dina sent me that video. Man, they had a sharp dude, a former NFL player. They wanted to talk to him about his foundation. He was doing some charitable work in the city he retired from. And so they said, tell us about your foundation. And uh, 
CNN uh, lady host was said, tell us about your foundation. And he said, the foundation is, he said, but let me tell you why we started the foundation. Because no matter what the news media might want you to believe, uh, America doesn't have as much of a skin problem as we have a sin problem. And the answer is to be found in a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. Please! That's exactly what she said. She put her hands, and just like that, we lost him. Yeah, just like that, y'all cut him off because he was going to give the real answer, which is Jesus. But if you look even in more, more of a uh, micro view, uh, you, you'll see what I believe is the greatest problem facing America today outside of its spirituality and its fatherless homes. Fatherless homes. When, when, and, and, and everything, every common expression fights against God. I was talking, uh, I told y'all a week or two ago, I was talking to my sons yesterday about all these common expressions that are known in society today, which I believe the devil puts in our mind and in our mouth as, as, to try to denigrate our view of God, to try to degrade our concept of the greatness of God. You can go all the way back to the 70s or 80s uh, with one of the most, the first person I ever ha- heard say it was Jesse when he said, I am what? So if you're walking around saying, I am, and waiting on everybody else saying, I am. Now you got one person screaming, I am, and a church full of people screaming, somebody. A couple things wrong with that. Number one, there's only one I am. You don't, have to, you don't have to go all the way back there. Uh, and, and if you think I'm picking on Jesse, I'm not. I'll take it to Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen wrote a book uh, two years ago. I saw it on the shelf. I thought, well, finally, because it was titled The Power of I Am. And I thought, well, hallelujah. Finally, he got off uh, motivational speaking and positive and uh, chicken grinning and, and going to talk about how great God is. And I looked on the back cover, and it said, your life will become more powerful when you realize how powerful you are. And you need to get up and look in the mirror every day and say, I am powerful. I'm thinking, okay, well, number one, that's not humble. And God said he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble, and I want grace. And number two, there's only one, I am. So when you see, and if you study the scripture, you'll find out the thing that incensed the religious leaders of Jesus' day, the reason they wanted to kill him is because he equated himself to God. And he said many times, just in conversation, I am. And then he'd say, whatever. I am the door. And they were like, ah, you want to talk about doors, that's okay. But you make out of your mouth, I am, that's blasphemy. Okay? So we get, we get these we get these things that I'm, I'm, I'm hearing God talk to me about all these common expressions that people use that, that, that take away from the preeminence of God. I told you a week or so ago, uh, I'm all for peaceful protest. I'm all for speaking up uh, against a bad system and injustice, and there's plenty of that, and there's a need for change, and, and I'm praying for change. been working my whole life for change, uh, and Somebody told me on Facebook uh, that I obviously had never been around any black people and, I, and, and that I must hate all black people. And I'm thinking, I, and I'm not even going to go in to say it. I, I could say it. I mean, I, 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 could, I could give you the speech about when Jake was four and a half years old and he went to his first t-ball tryout and he got in the car crying because they split them up between two coaches uh, right there at, uh, behind the Lake Asbury School. They had them out in that field. Uh, and uh, I, I, I pointed Deacon Dixon because we were both living over there at the time. And Jake got in the car with little tears in his eyes. And I said, what's wrong, son? He said, I don't like my coach. I'm like, you don't even know your coach. He said, I didn't want that coach. It was a white dude and a black dude out there. Now, you would think, you know, the average little racist white kid raised by a dad who don't know no black people and, and is a bigot uh, would be saying it one way. But since that guy on Facebook was wrong and don't know me, uh, my little four-and-a-half-year-old son, tears in his eyes, he don't like his coach. I, I said, why? He, he said, I wanted the brown man. I said, why would you want the brown man, Jake? He said, because they're better 
I thought, well, you wasn't raised by the Klan. Good for news for that. I, 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 get, I don't even know what you check on a box, Malachi, which biracial self back there, growing up, getting grown. Uh, more, more meals. My, my kids ate more meals. Now, and I can't, I can't call it, I was going to say, in, well, in a black man's house next to Puerto Rican, so we got all y'all's bases covered. But I'm not, I didn't go into that story with that dude because people are going to think what they're going to think. I was, I was just saying something about how many police officers have gotten killed, and this dude just took it to where I hate all black people. And I want to tell you something today. You can be for righteousness and black people at the same time. This is not a binary decision. You, you can support truth and police, uh, but if I'm telling you, not on Facebook. Not in the mind of these extremists. Because if you, if you say that you're praying for, all I said is I'm praying for the police. Because, people you know, uh, th- over 300 of them were wounded in, in the riots, uh, and some of them were killed, and they, they took that to, to mean something. Uh, but these statements, uh, and I, I say all that because I started by saying I believe in peaceful protest, but when you got a whole thousands or hundreds of people walking down the street chanting, say his name, I told y'all a couple weeks ago, the only person's name I think we ought to be chanting, say his name, is Jesus. So I hear these phrases, and I see how they, they are eroding at the Christian fabric. Y'all need to pray for the city of Seattle. It's been taken over by thugs. I, I mean, I think it's a disgrace to the word thug to call these little sissy she-men, man-bun-wearing hippies uh, thugs. But taken over uh, last night... Or what was it, yesterday or the day before? Yes, yesterday, a 19-year-old black man was shot and killed inside the protest, Capitol Hill Occupation Protest Zone, where they won't let cops in. And this 19-year-old black man's body lay dead in the street. When the police came to try to get it, they wouldn't let the police in. I'm thinking, what kind of America is it now where we're saying they won't let the police in? Now, when you were uh, policing, if you, if you and five of your buddies wanted to come, you know, get a dead body out of the street, and they're just, you know, a bunch of hippies there with no guns. Are you going to get in? They won't, they won't let the police. They didn't let the So the black, the 19-year-old black man's dead body laid in the middle of the no police zone until they finally realized we better take him. So they put him in a car, took him to the hospital, and dumped him off at the hospital. Police never got in to investigate the crime scene. How polluted do you think that crime scene is right now? Nobody chanting no justice, no peace. No, nobody wants justice for that 19-year-old man that was killed. The other man in the hospital right now in critical condition. Um, no, uh, black lives, that, that black man's life didn't matter. So I'm say all that to say don't believe the hype. Don't, don't get stirred up. A lot of these expressions, say his name, say his name. Listen, there is a name we need to say. And you say, Pastor, you're just putting all this together. It's not coincidental. It's subtlety. The Bible says that the devil is more subtle than any beast in the field. Racism in America right now is more overt racism is easy to overcome. It's the subtle racist that you got to worry about. You got somebody on your job wearing a, wearing a, 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 you know, a, Confederate gear coming in in camo and then driving a four-wheel drive truck with an axe handle uh, in the back, a uh, big bumper sticker on says, you wear your ex, I wear my... You know that dude ain't, ain't, ain't in love with everybody. You just like step around him. Oh, yeah, Bubba Ray over there, pfft, stuck in his mind. It's that dude at the water cooler or the lunch table sitting with you telling you how much, uh, how open-minded and woke he is. But I hear people talk about woke. I think there's a subtlety to that word. We find out how woke people really are. But these, these sayings, the expression, listen, I hear people say this now all the time. You better put some respect on what? Put some respect on what? My name. People, you, you got 11-year-olds walking around. You better put some respect on my name. Hey, your name was given to you. You didn't earn it. You be a man, you'll earn it. 
but put some respect on my name. Do you even hear the subtlety to that? The pride, the arrogance, the assumption of deity. There's only one name that is above all. You better get my name out your mouth. I better not hear my name in your mouth. Where, where do we? All this stuff is an attack on the one true God. Keep living and keep listening. You, you're going to find out. But I, I, I want to speak about how great God is today. And I want to speak about the fatherhood of God today because when God chose to reveal himself to mankind he could have chosen any metaphor any analogy to represent to us who he is he could have just said employer employee he could have said king and subject he could have he could have said president and citizen he could have said boss and slave he could and and all those analogies are in the bible uh, but the primary way that God chose to reveal himself to us is as Father. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he said, when you pray, say, Our Father. So listen to me, all y'all out there that wasted five hours to read that book, The Shack. Mm, I'm just curious. I don't want to know if you read it. But how many people think somebody in this room read that book, The Shack? Oh, three people that read it raised their hand. Praise the Lord for honesty. God is not a woman. God specifically is not even a man like we consider a man. Okay? But because the Bible says God is not flesh and blood. He's a spirit. He don't have, he, he, he's not like that. Uh, but he chose to reveal. See, God has to use what theologians call anthropomorphisms or anthropomorphic terms. It's, it's when a deity that is so indescribable and so incomprehensible and is so far beyond our understanding, he has to assign natural qualities to himself so the human mind can begin to grasp it. God's a spirit. The Bible says he doesn't have flesh and bones, but it also says that the ear of the Lord is open. Well, how big is his ear? Does he have two ears? Do, 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 do they stick out? Do they stay flat? God doesn't have ears like that. That's an anthropomorphism or an anthropomorphic term so you can understand he can hear us. We, 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 we can't conceive of the beauty and the greatness of God outside Jesus, who the Bible tells us is the physical, visible image of the invisible God. The Bible says the arm of the Lord is not short, uh, that it cannot save. Okay, well, if you look at my arm, I got a pretty normal length arm. If you look at Kevin Garnett's arm or Dikembe Mutombo's arm, he could turn the light switch off from here. Dikembe don't even get out of bed to turn the lights on. He just reaches out and flips the switch. How long is God's arm? Is God's arm more closely to mine? Is his arm really short like Sean Marion? Sean Marion shoots a shot like this because his arms are that long. How long is God? God doesn't have an arm like that. It's an anthropomorphic term so we can understand he can reach us. Okay? So, uh, but God had to assign things so that we could try to a little bit, never completely, but grasp a little bit of who he is and how he is. And the primary way that he chose to reveal himself of who he is and how he is to us is as a father. Say father. God is a father because most of us, even if we didn't have one, understand how valuable a father is. We understand what a father represents, and we understand what it's like. Uh, but to every man in the room, uh, I want to I encourage you this, this morning to be a good man. Not, not what the world says is good, but what God says is good. Be, be a good father. Raise your children. That, that, that's what's crippled America. That's what's crippled America more than anything else. In, in, in the 50s, uh, only 8% of Caucasian children were being raised in a fatherless home. Now it's above 25%. Dads just leaving Caucasian families. In, in, in the 50s, 25% uh, of African-American kids were being raised 
in a single parent home. Now it's north of 75 percent. Both both of the largest races in America have 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 seen the the father just sweep out of the home in 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 the last 70 years, and it's created societal collapse. Because when there's no father in the home, we were talking about these protests this morning before we prayed together as a staff, and, and I'm just sitting there thinking, if I saw my children in the middle of a riot breaking into a store, stealing something, looting a building, they, they just better move out of the country. I can't even imagine. Uh, and, and, so, and so we talked about it this morning. That that's got Sonia just grabbing her son. You better listen. I, can you even imagine him in the middle of a throwing rocks at cops and stealing brown liquor out of a store, running down the street, hoping mom ain't looking? <laughs> That's not going to... Kids raised in good families, listen, are less likely. I started to say wouldn't do it, but less likely to do it. Be, 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 be a good man. A model biblical convictions. Live a morally upright life. The world needs to see men being good men. Men in today's society are scandalous. Uh, they, we, we, we've invented new names for men in America. We did. Listen, it, th- this, this moniker did not exist for a man in nobody's grandparents' generation. Baby daddy. That's my baby daddy. That's my, and and this, this didn't exist for sure. That, that's my, my, my second and fifth baby daddy. Well, who was third and fourth? That's my, my, that's my, how my mind works. Baby daddy. Not father, baby daddy. Not husband, baby daddy. Not living under the roof showing my son how to be a man and how to treat a woman right and how to honor a woman and a mother, baby daddy. These are things that did not exist. You can't find nothing in the Bible that teaches you how to be a good baby daddy. wasn't part of God's plan. You can't teach, you can't find anything in the Bible, uh, sadly, because I'm a product of it uh, and, and, and a victim of it. You can't find anything in the Bible teaches you how, how to biblically blend a blended family. Well, I, you know, you got this, this, these from him, those from her. This, uh, these are things that have complicated Christianity. And the moral fabric. Now listen, life's not perfect and it happens. And we, we've got to figure out how to honor God in the midst of it. Amen. But I want every man connected to Abundant Life Christian Fellowship to be the kind of man that God created us to be. Because most, if not every family expert would agree that life is better when the father's in the home. I'm going to give you some of these statistics that you've heard before, and I, but I want you to hear them and let them sink in. I want you to understand why maybe uh, our society is off the frame right now. And you, you can, listen, Republicans try to blame it on Democrats. Democrats try to blame it on Republicans. White people always been blaming it on black people. Black people now blaming it on white people, rich people, blaming it on lazy people. Poor people, lazy poor people, blaming it on greedy rich people, and everybody that's poor ain't lazy, and everybody that's rich ain't greedy. But this is how the division process is working right now. When the reality is the biggest, most common denominator for problematic societal issues is having no father in the home. Now, I've said it before. And I believe it still to this day. My children would have had a better life if I would have been the one that died when they were two and four and not their mother. Uh, but they might not walk a tight a chalk line if they wouldn't have had a father in the home. Uh, so let me just tell you about what life looks like where there are no fathers in the home. 63% of all youth suicides come from fatherless homes. Now listen, if, you got, uh, if, if you're raising children with a mother and father in the house, you ought to thank God for that. If you're raising children without a father or a mother in the house, you ought to understand you got a dual role, a hard job, and these children are going to need extra love and care. 90% of all homeless people come from fatherless homes. 85% of all children that have behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 
Now, when I, when I read that, and I didn't make none of these statistics up. All these statistics come from either the FBI or the CDC, government websites. When, when I read that, I thought 85% of all children ex that exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. I said, that can't be right. My children got behavioral disorders, and they got a father in the home. But then I read it cl more closely. It says that exhibited. <laughs> she all didn't get that. <laughs> Woo, 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. And, I, and I'm going to tell you something. There's another statistic for you. It ain't even on this page. Uh, the, the government statistics have already proven that if you just graduate high school, get a job, and don't have children before you get married, there's only a 2% chance that you will fall below middle class on the, on, on the economic ladder in this country. And middle class... Is, is, is where you want to be. That means you can buy a house one day. That means you can have a car one day. That means you can buy your own food, put food on the table one day. Only 2% of people that make those three things. Listen, if you're, if you're raising a child right now, now, Shannon, I know you got bigger dreams for your baby, but, 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 but if your son will graduate high school, get a job, any job, and not have children before he gets married, there's a 98% chance that he will be successful in this country. People want to believe that the American dream is rigged and, and blown backwards. Yes, rigged against people who don't have fathers in the home. Listen to this. 70% of all juveniles in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. Seven out of ten people in juvie right now didn't have a daddy. These are facts. I've been in a juvenile detention center, and I've been in grown folk jail. And the majority of those people were just like me. They didn't have a father. Eighty-five percent of all youth that are in prison, that grew up to be uh, convicts as adults, eighty-five percent of them came from a fatherless home. So how does that correlate in, into current statistics? The, these kids without fathers are five times more likely to commit suicide. They're seven times more likely to become teenage mothers. They're 25 times more likely to run away, 15 times more likely to have behavioral disorders, six times more likely to be in state-operated institutions, seven times more likely to drop out of school, and 15 times more likely to end up in prison. You want to talk about the system being rigged? The system is rigged against children growing up with fathers. So, now, what, what were you thinking? Because if my mother was in the room... And she was a young mother right now. She might be freaking out, thinking, well, I'm raising kids without a father. I said, Kid, these are kids without a father. If you don't have a man in the room, but God is your father, you can still have a father in your home. And we need a father in the home. God designed families to have a mother and a father living in a home. And life didn't turn out that way for many of us, including me. Um, I had, you know, my mom had... Uh, Gave me several different stepfathers, but I found myself on the wrong side of almost every one of these statistics outside of suicide. Um, and and I, I wish that my life would have been rosy. I, I wish I could have come from the right side of the tracks, had a mommy and a daddy that, you know, great, greeted me at the door with cookies. How was school today, Scotty? I was the original latchkey kid. I still got a picture of me on a baseball team, for fourth grade. I was the only kid there. I... I Latchkey kids. Y'all remember when that phrase came out? I, I, was, I was in fourth grade, so it was like 1972. I had a chain on my neck and a key hanging from it. And my mom didn't trust it wouldn't fall out of my pocket and I'd lose it. She just, you know, leashed me up like a dog, put that on my neck so I could get in and out of my house. I know the value of having a father in the home, but I, I'm going to tell you again so you don't get discouraged and so you'll be encouraged. If there's not a man in the home, you can still have a father in the home. His name is Jehovah. But if you, really want, if you really want to be who God wants you to be, whether, whether you got a man, father in the home, you, you need to get God in your house. You need to get your father. Your children need to know about the fatherhood of God. Lots of churches spend a lot of time preaching about Jesus because Jesus is the Savior that will bail you out of your mess when you are in trouble. Jesus is the older brother who will fight your battles for you. The Holy Ghost, lots of churches talk about the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost gives you gifts and makes you feel empowered and strong and capable and, and, and encouraged and excited. Uh, but there's not a lot of preaching about the fatherhood of God.
God because when, when you come home from that fight that your big brother bailed you out of and, and your father sees dirt on you, he don't care who was right and wrong. He's ready to put some discipline down because the father is the one that will bring you discipline. And God wants to instill that in our lives. But I thank God that he's not just about discipline. He's about love too. Amen. He's about grace and mercy. He's about patience and tolerance. He's about love and forgiveness. He's about acceptance. The Bible says that because we believe in him, he accepts us into his family. Society might look at you sideways, but God accepts you if you're a Christian. You, you might not have, maybe you do, maybe you still live in a world. Um, I, I remember, some of y'all remember Deacon Cliff and Julie Bridges, uh, who, who retired and moved away to the mountains. You want to hear somebody, you want to see somebody's, I, you ever notice Julie when she talks about her dad, her eyes just light up and she just, her, her daddy this and, and you know, she's country and white, so she, her daddy, her daddy. I'm like, that, you, are you saying daddy or daddy? But she talk about daddy and, and just love, love. If you have that, then that's awesome. Thank God for it. But I want to tell you something. We all as Christians need to concentrate on exalting the Heavenly Father inside our house so us and everybody under our roof knows that there's a Father in this house that loves us and accepts us. I told you the Bible teaches God reveals Himself to us as a Father. Jesus said when you pray, say, Our Father. And I want us to look at some things today uh, to learn some things about the fatherhood of God and the character of God the Father. Number one thing I want you to consider this morning is he cares about his children. This is what a father does, y'all. We, we call ourselves Christians. We ought to model our lives based off uh, Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. And a real father cares about his Christian, uh, about his children. I want to admit to you openly today, it is easier to be a lazy parent than a good parent. Five people said amen. It is easier just to say, I tried, let them just go on, do whatever. You want to act ignorant, just, you know, don't do it in my house. It's easy to be a lazy parent, but it's difficult to be a good parent. Can three people agree with that? I promise you this, anybody who, who, who's raising children on their own uh, knows that it's, it's easier just to say, hey, just don't burn the house down. I don't care what else y'all do besides that. But a real father cares about his children. The word care is an active tense. It's a continuous tense. It's ongoing, and it takes effort. Let me tell you something, men. If you have a child on this planet, care about that child. Even if that child is 50 or 60 or 70 years old, care about that child. That child still needs you. See, kids, they think they get up and get grown and don't need mama and daddy anymore, but, but wisdom will teach them one day uh, that they needed mom and daddy more than they thought. We're old enough, some of us now, to understand that. If you're old enough to understand that, understand your children still need you. Our Father cares about us. In 1 Peter 5, 6, the Bible says, Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time He will lift you up in honor. Verse 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. When you sing the song or hear the song or think about the concept that says, He knows my name. It ought to just bless you down to your feet to know that God knows who you are. It ought to bless you down to your feet to know that God knows the good, bad, and the ugly about you. He knows every bad thing you've ever done, the things you didn't do but you thought about, the things that you're going to do in the future. And listen, He still cares for you. See, if you got that big enough, you'd be on the ground crying right now. If we got that big enough, if we weren't just churching today, if we were here to have an encounter with this God that loves us so much, there'd be a tear in your eye right now. Because here's the reality. You're scared to death that people in this room would know you. We pick any row you want to. We, 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 we can start with a, a, a three-person row right now. Three people sit up front every time the doors are open. Three people love God and serve God in this church for years, actively involved in their own faith, morally upright. We start on this row right now. These three people don't want everybody in this room to know everything about them. 
And if, we, if, if, if you knew everything about me and I knew everything about you, we might look side-eyed each other. You did what? And, and, and then we were like, but I was young. Young or whatever. You wasn't that young. You ought to understand God knows everything about you and he loves you anyway. God is not waiting on us to get perfect to love us. God loves us right now. He loved us before. He's going to keep loving us. Somebody ought to give God praise and thank God that he cares about his children. Uh, many of you are like me, raised in a home with no caring father. I had no biological father and a hateful stepfather. Uh, didn't, didn't, wasn't raised with a caring father in the home. But, but God shows his ultimate proof that he cares for us. In Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us, listen, while we were still sinners. Now, most of us, if somebody's nice to us, we'll be nice to them back. For most people, the people that you love, you grew to love. You learned to love them. You, you learned, you, and your love blossomed for them because they reciprocated kindness and decency to you. I want you to understand today, God looked down from heaven in eternity past, saw you, and decided, I'm going to love him, I'm going to love her no matter what, in spite of whatever you do. You didn't have to audition to get God's love. You didn't have to fake your way through the first five dates to get God's love. People say, Pastor Scott, why, why, why don't you date? Well, 7,204 reasons why. But I'll give you one, because it's scammery. It's scammery. Let, let me do I started on the front row over there. Let me start on the front row over here. He was scamming you on those first. She knew, well, she already, I ain't teaching her nothing. She knew. Scammery. You're like, I, I, I'm offended that you would say, well, really? Look back. Look back to your first. Hey, let me just flip it. She was scamming you, too. You, you go on down on that first date, and they ask you a question about, you know, what you like, what you don't like, and your mind is racing. What's the right thing to say right here? Trying to say the right word, trying to act the right way before you really just peel the mask off and like, here I am. He probably wasn't wearing untucked shirts when you met him. He was probably tucking his shirts in. He probably wasn't wearing shoes and boots with three-inch heels when you met him. See, we, we, we get older, we get fatter, we get shorter. No, nobody just, I, I saw, me and my kids, we love Seinfeld. It's just funny. You love what you like. We love Seinfeld. And, and uh, George Costanza, for those of y'all that know Seinfeld, he finally had an epiphany that every decision he ever made worked against him. And he was ignorant, stupid, backwards, and, and nothing he did. And he should have done the opposite uh, of, of what his first thought was. And it, it was George's opposite episode. And there, there was this girl that was looking at him in the diner, and Jerry said, that girl's looking at you. And he's like, yeah, like, like, like she, she'd be interested in me. And, and she looked at him again. He's like, you said you were going to do opposite. Your first thought is to sit there in fear and shame. Uh, go ahead and be opposite George. George walked up to this smoking hot woman sitting at the counter at the diner. He said, my name is George. I'm bald. I'm fat. I'm unemployed, and I have no money. And only in Seinfeld could this happen. She looked at him and said, hi, George. I'm so happy to meet you. <laughs> no, man. You look at these people now. You, you think, wow, he, he's handsome. He's attractive. Go ahead and let him. Hey, that untucked shirt's your first clue. <laughs> him walking like this is your second clue. Because when that shirt comes off and that back gets tired, and that belly lays down to his knees. You're going to real scammery. It ain't just men. Go ahead, man. You, 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 you go out on that date, and wow, her hair is dead. Her nails is dead. The makeup is fierce. You married out about a year later. You look over and think, do you ever fix your hair? Is that what you look like? Y'all don't want to be happy today. 
That's auditioning. That's trying to get somebody to go out with you. That's trying to get somebody to accept you. That's pretending to be more or less than what you really are. But God sees everything about us. We don't have to audition or fake our way into his acceptance. He loved us from eternity. He knew we were jacked up. He knew we were ragged. He knew we were slipping and sliding and dipping and tripping and scheming and scamming. And he loved us anyway. While we were still sinners. Oh, I'm going to tell you, a good father cares about his children. Listen, in spite of them. In spite of them. You got you to gotta get it past your mind that you have to measure up. You might have to measure up to, to pass the grade for your religious, uh, critical, judgmental friends. But you don't have to measure up to pass the grade for your heavenly father. He loves you already. He loved, listen, I, I, I didn't, I, I had children late. I, I had Jake when I was 38, Seth when I was 40. Well, I didn't actually have them. That'd be, you know, I'd be famous if I did that. But they came along when I was 38 and when I was 40 years old. So I didn't really understand a lot before then why these parents would say this. Because, you know, as pastor, I would go and, and uh, you know, people would have children and they want pastor to be there uh, we just had the baby yesterday. We want you to come pray for the baby. And I go in and I look at this baby. And they're like, she's the most perfect child ever born. Isn't she beautiful? I'm thinking, yeah, I, yeah, words cannot describe. Yeah, I, I, I can't even believe what I'm saying. You know, when the doctor's got to put the salad tongs in and drag them out by the head and the cone head, and the cone ain't went down yet, and, 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 and just, you know, I, listen, I'm going to give y'all a hint. Hairless and toothless don't look good on anybody. I would see these things, man. My first child came along, popped out. My mom said he looked just like Scott. I said, mmm. That's what you see when you see me? Scrunched up, reddish face, covered in goo. This is it. But as I began to understand fathering and, and look, now understand why y'all think y'all children are pretty. Because a parent looks beyond all the flaws and sees the heart. And we have a father that loves us in spite of us. That's why I told you. Don't, don't send me no diet emails. Text me no diet program. I'm comfortable being fat. If I get too much fatter, I might need some help, but... I've accepted myself for who I am because I've spent the last almost 40 years understanding that God accepts me. And if my father loves me, I don't really care what nobody else thinks. Y'all want to know where uh, FHAs come from? Y'all know what FHA is? Used to be Future Homemakers of America. I invented a new FHA for society as I see it today. My kids are hoping I won't say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. FHAs come from fatherless homes or homes where the father didn't love them right. FHA, y'all see them in the grocery store. Y'all see them at the little champ, uh, kangaroo, whatever it's called, at the little convenience store. Y'all see them in and out of Walmart. Future hoes of America. Y'all see them. Y'all go to school with them. Y'all see them. Y'all want to know why these little girls are, are future hoes of America? Because their father didn't love them right. Their daddy didn't give them enough attention. Dad, daddy didn't hold them and love them enough. Daddy didn't tell them, you're beautiful to me, and you don't need a man to validate you because I'm the best man you're ever going to know. 
You show me a little girl who daddy loved on her. She was a daddy's girl. She didn't have to go out there begging for man's attention because she got what she needed from her. Listen, fathers, you got a little girl growing up in your home. I, I love what one of the men said at Man Up one time. And I don't, I don't talk out of school and tell stories on Man Up, but I will leak this out to you. He told me he, he, he had a, uh, one of his big goals as a father was to keep his daughter off the pole. I thought, well, see there, that's a good man. You love, you love her right, she will never feel like she has to go out and show her body and herself to a man to get validation. If you ever understand how much your heavenly father, the one true God, Jehovah, Jireh, creator of all heaven and earth, the, 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 the greatest God and only real God that ever existed, if you ever realize how much he loves you and accepts you, you, qu you quit worrying about yourself, critiquing yourself, being mad. I wish I was taller, shorter, fatter, skinnier, darker, lighter. Listen, God accepts us. He loves us as we are. Can five people give God praise? Not only does, does our Father care about us, but He concentrates on His family. That should say on His family. God concentrates on His family. I read a statistic that, that just, it just proved everything that I'm saying. Uh, Focus on the family put this statistic out and said that the average Father, now that's even a father in the home. The average father spends less than 60 seconds in direct communication with his child every day. That is horrible. You better be doing better than that. You better be talking to that hard-headed boy. Make sure he stays on A-B honor roll. Make, make, make sure he stays on high scholarship. Make, make sure he keeps his thoughts together. The average father spends less than six. Listen, you say, how can that be? Because a lot of dads go to work before the child gets up and, and come home after the child's in bed. And mama did it all, all day long. Well, and, and, and you feel good because at least I'm home raising my kids. You, if you're home hiding in, your, hiding in your recliner watching TV and letting mama raise them, you're not raising them. So the father can be absent. Even if he's present, but not our God. God concentrates on his. You want to be the kind of father you need to be? Concentrate on your family. If, you don't, if you're a woman, if you don't have children, you're not a man, you, you, you need to understand that you have a heavenly father that concentrates on you. Jeremiah 29, that should say 11, says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. This message needs to be broadcast to every person who has a wrong view of God. Every person who has a wrong view of God. Chuck Swindoll put a book out called The Grace Awakening 30 plus years ago. And he said that every person has primarily one or two views, images of God in their mind. They either see God as an old man scowling, sitting in a stone throne with a lightning bolt in one hand and a stick in the other, just waiting to zap you or beat you every time you stand, step out of line. That, that, that's what he called his no-face God. He said, or some people have a yes-face God, a picture of a loving, kind father sitting in a soft, comfortable chair with his arms wide open saying, come sit with daddy. And he talked about this image that we have of a yes-faced God or a no-faced God. Listen to me, all you no-faced God folk. If God just wanted to zap you every time you stepped out of line, you'd be zapped. God, people wonder, well, what would they think about me? Let's move beyond what they would think about us, and let's see what God thinks about us. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, say the Lord. He said, these are thoughts of peace. and not e God's not thinking evil about us. God's not thinking bad about us. God wants to give us a hope and a future because he is thinking about us. Some dads don't have time for their kids. They don't concentrate on their family. They're too busy chasing the job, chasing the money. Uh, listen, all that means nothing if you lose your children. All that is of no value. Kids, kids like money. Sure they do. Kids like stuff. Don't kid yourself and think the kids don't want stuff. But more than the stuff, kids respond to love. And they need daddy's attention. They need you to concentrate on them. Psalm 40 verse 5 says, Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. And your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Psalm 139, 17 
And 18 says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Listen to how it says in, in the New Living Translation. It says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They are innumerable. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. God is always thinking about you. Now, that, that might freak you out if you don't understand the real character of God. Because if you know God knows what you've been up to, if you know God knows what you're going through, if you know God knows what you're planning, then you might think God is up there thinking, what kind of dirtbag, scumbag, evil, worthless, no good child are you? That's that voice people get in their head that the devil wants you to think is God. But the scripture says God has good thoughts about us. God's got more good thoughts about you than there are grains of sand on the seashore. He's just sitting up in heaven saying, look at my daughter. She's beautiful. Listen to me. I'm going to throw that addendum in there. <laughs> look, look at my son. He's not fat to me. Just how I want him to be. God loves us, and he concentrates on us. He thinks about us. This is what a good father does. He concentrates on his family, his family's on his mind. Hebrews 7.25 says, The Lord ever lives to make intercession for us. He's praying for us all the time. He's thinking good things. Listen, if you ever get down on yourself, I want you to remind yourself, God accepts me. God loves me. God made me how I am. You, you, you want all, all these white people walking around apologizing for being white. I saw a video uh, this last week. This man walking around in major cities, going up to people as they exit their buildings, going into parking garages, tell, telling these little scared white women, get on your knees and tell me you love me and apologize to me for being white. I thought, you might be taking this thing a little step too far. And then when the ones that wouldn't, he starts screaming, she's a racist. And he starts screaming, she called me an N-word when she didn't do none of that. He just wants everybody on her job to hate her. Listen, let me, let me, let me tell you something. Uh, the, same, the same thing I told you about why the president, every president we ever had is the president. You, you, you want to know why this man is white? Anybody want to take a wild guess as to why this man is white? Because He said, because my parents are white. <laughs> That's not all the way wrong. But why are your parents white? Because their parents were white. You're white because God wanted you to be white. Anybody want to know why this man is black? Because his parents were black. Y'all just ain't getting the point. I need somebody that can get the point to explain to me. Why is this man black? Because God wanted him to be black. How can you consider that you believe in God who does things like this and you hate somebody based on the color of their skin when, when, when God put that in us? You, you want to know why some people were born there and there and here and there? Because this is the earth that God has given us. You ought to be glad for who God has made you. Now, if you're actively participating in some evil form of, of something that attaches to the race or the history of your race, then you ought to repent of that and walk away from it. That's a different message for a different time. He, uh, third thing we, we know about God, he, he knows what his priorities are. Oh, if I could go to every man in the room right now, we got some good men. I know if I started with Mr. C and asked him about priorities, he talked. Well, I've shared time with this man. I know he knows what his priorities are. When I got to every man in the room, if you told us what your priorities are, I hope your priorities come from God. God knows what his, a good father knows what his priorities are. In Matthew 22, when 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 the man asked Jesus, "What's the great commandment?" Jesus said. Uh, that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. When he asked him, what's the second? Or Jesus said in the second commandment, it's just like the first, that you love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said that phrase, I love it so much. He said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All the law was everything that had ever been written about God. And all the prophets symbolized everything that had ever been said about God. And Jesus was saying then, and it's still true for us today, that if you really want to be who God wants you to be, you got to love God and love people. 
This ought to be your priority. Well, I love people that love me. Well, then you, you, you're not the kind of person God wants you to be. Because he said you got to love, you got to love your neighbor. You got to love everybody. You got to love your enemy. God knows what his priorities are. And, and a good father, you need to know what your priorities are. You need to love people. And you need to love God. If every man that ever had a child in this country loved God more than he loved himself, he'd have stayed home and raised his children. If every man in this country that ever had a child loved people more than he loved himself, he would have stayed home and raised his children. And he would have had his priorities in the right place. Fourth thing, he leads by example. I, was, I had a stepfather told me all the time, don't do what I do, do what I say. And as an 11-year-old, I knew that was whack. Well, that, that ain't no real kind of teaching. Do, don't do what I do. You, you, you in here doing that and telling me not to do that? That's, that's not proper parenting. That's not proper manhood. That's not proper human being. Uh, our God leads by example. In Romans 8, 14, the Bible says, All who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. God leads us. And I want you to hear this. If you haven't heard anything yet, wake up from your zone out and hear this. For, as long as you follow God, He'll never lead you wrong. He leads by example. God will never tell you to don't do what I do. He will tell you to do what he did. In Matthew 5, 48, you got to take all the Bible. This is one of those hard verses. Matthew 5, 48, the scripture says, But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. The King James said, Be ye perfect. Uh, I, I, I love what, what a dear friend pointed out to me one time when I was being down on myself because somebody was criticizing me as a pastor in my imperfection. And, and, and she told me, she said, well, just remember this, Pastor. When, when God said, be ye perfect, he said that to all Christians. He, he said, be ye perfect. And he didn't say, and pastors, be ye perfecter. That's the trick of the devil. You want to point it. At pastors, Christians, deacons. Oh, you live long enough, you're going to hear some God-hating, devil-inspired person say, Oh, is that what Christians are supposed to act like? Oh, is that what a real Christian is supposed to act like? Oh, is that what they're teaching you down there at your church? Listen, and, and that's just designed by the devil to try to bring you down. But there is a requirement before God that we live our life the way God lives his life. And lead by example, we need real leadership, and I don't know where it can be found. I tell you what, I don't, I, I don't see it in, in any, any face I'm seeing on TV. You think you got a politician in your pocket that, that's going to save, save us and, and lead us in the right way? I, I, we better get our leadership from God. Listen, the president can go by whatever name he wants to. He can sit, he can sit in the White House, live in the White House, do White House things. But, but our leader, the blood-bought church, understands the president is ever-changing, but our true leader is God. And he leads by example. Fifth thing, he always does what's best for the ones he loves. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those of their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. I want to tell you something, men. You better be a provider. Women, if you're raising children, you're playing dual role, like I'm playing a dual role, you got to be provider and nurturer. But men, let me tell you something. God puts you on this planet as the alpha being. The man is the top of the food chain. The man is, God has positioned men uh, to be dragon slayers and mountain climbers. He, he, he has given us uh, the, the, the capacity to conquer and to dominate like no other beast of the field. And part of a man's responsibility. I don't care if you are alpha, beta, whatever kind of man you fashion yourself to be. Uh, God designed you to be a protector and a provider. And you better model that for this next generation. These little sissy men that didn't spank their children, raised up little sissy boys to be sissy men, they can't model protector and provider because they can't 35 years old living at home with mama asking mama to cut the crust off their sandwich. You past five years old, you ought to be eating that crust. 
like a dinosaur. You need to do what's best for the ones you love. You got to protect them. You got to provide for them. A real father gives his life for his family. And I want you to know we have a God that gave his life for us. I'm not even going to finish the rest of this. I'm going to tell you this, though. Come on, Victor. God is a good God. This is not a cliche for us. God is a good God. He's a good father. He loves his children. He cares about you. If you will allow him to, he will protect you. But if you step out from under his roof, that's on you. Too many people calling God their father, but they have stepped out away from the provision of God. They've stepped out away from the protection of God, but they still allow their mouth to fashion, why does God let these things happen to me? If you stay under God's roof, if you stay in God's good grace, if you follow along and, and, and you let God lead you and care for him and you love him the way you're supposed to, I want to tell you something. We serve a good God, a caring God. He is a father to his children, and he never gives up on you. He never, my, my kids used to play this game. Well, well, Dad, what if Jake became a thus and so? Would you kick him out and hate him? Like, I'd never kick him out and hate him. Well, what if Seth did this and that? Would, would you just be done? Listen, a father, a real father, is never done with his children. And I want you to know this in, in leaving today. God, if you're a child of God, God's never going to be done with you. But you're not a child of God just because you sit in a church. You're not a child of God because you do good things. You are not a child of God for any of those reasons that people falsely give. The Bible says we are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. If you have not put your everlasting faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you might be a church member, but you are not a child of God. And if you're not saved today, I want you to let God become your heavenly father on Father's Day 2020. I want you to embrace Jesus Christ as the one true God. There are not many roads that lead to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. He's the only way. Jesus is the only way. All these other religions are false religions. They might be filled up with good people, well-intending people. They might live good lives. They might be morally upright. But if they are not saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and faith in His resurrection, then God is not their Father. I was witnessing to a lost person one time, and they said, well, I don't believe any of that matters. I just believe I need to be a good person, and God will accept me. I'm like, you're just making that up? You, they, they made that up out of his own mind. That ain't in the Bible. God never said that. The God that this Bible is talking about said the only way you can get right with me is by believing in my son who I sent to die for you. So I hope today on Father's Day 2020 that you have put your faith in the gospel story. The story of this book and the God who gave us this book. That because of our sin, God sent his son into the earth to live a perfect life for us, to be crucified, to die, and to be raised from the dead on the third day. Everybody believes in a Jesus. Everybody believes Jesus was a person. Too many books written about him to, for that not to be true. But everybody doesn't believe that God sent him. And everybody doesn't believe that he was raised from the dead. Everybody doesn't believe that his death was a death that was sacrificial to pay for our sins. But if you can believe those things, the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, not just Jesus, but the Lord Jesus, that means you believe Jesus is God. If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I hope Jesus is Lord is part of your confession. One, one, one of the only, I, I think Nixon might have taught me this, or some, maybe I learned it in Puerto Rico. Uh, some Puerto Rican taught me uh, what, what to say about God. The, the first thing I ever learned to say about God in Spanish 
And I want you to understand it today. Jesus es el Señor. Yes? Jesus es el. Jesus is Lord. He is the highest God. Jesus is the man. Jesus is man as he as God created man to be. He is the perfect picture of what a man is. Jesus es el Señor. And I hope that you make Jesus the God of your life. Because short of that, nothing else matters. Short of that, no lives matter. Short of that, justice or peace don't matter. Short of that, politics don't matter. Short of that, nothing matters. Because the Lord said, what will it profit you if you gain everything else but lose your own soul? Jesus is the only way to God. And I hope that you make your peace on Father's Day with the Son who the Father sent. His name is Jesus, and he loves you. And his Father cares about you. And he would never give up on you, but you must believe in him. We are the children of God not because we quote Scripture. We are the children of God not because we go to church. We are the children of God, according to the Scripture, by faith in Jesus Christ. He's the true and living God. He's the eternal Father. He's the one who's coming back for his children. And I hope you love him today. Pray with me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for modeling fatherhood to us. God, I pray for the men in the room today that we'd be better fathers than we've been. Better men than we've been. That we would put you first. That we would draw our priorities from you and from your book. God, I pray, Lord, for people like me who grew up without a father. That they will learn to embrace you as their father. And be thankful for your goodness, for your love, and for your mercy. So today we say happy Father's Day to you. Because you are our true father. You are the father of our soul the creator of all that there is. And God, we can't give you a worthy gift. We can't buy you socks or a tie. We can't take you out to dinner. We can't offer you a flashlight. But today, God, I pray that you'd accept our love. We give ourselves to you. And we thank you for giving yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.